Today we are going to focus on intergenerational leadership and really working to bridge that gap. Long list of folks in the room today, but we're going to have a good time. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Building the Black Educator Pipeline podcast. You have come to the place where we talk to real people in the real struggle, doing the real work. I am your host, Shana Terrell, educator, activist, dedicated to the lifelong struggle of freedom and liberation for my people. Listen, y'all, I have a treat for y'all today. So this is probably the biggest group of folks that we have ever had in the room. Hey, y'all, it is going to be a riot. So first of all, just to save time, right? I'm not even going to introduce them myself individually. I'm going to allow each of our guests today to tell you who they are um, and what they do and what we should know about them. So I'm going to start right here to my right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, greetings, everybody. My name is Horace Ryan III. I'm a junior sociology education double major from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I study at Morehouse College. A lot of my work centers in education inequality and the research track. Uh, but I've been I love teaching with all of my heart. Um, so all of that, we'll keep it brief. I got, I'll, I'll give myself 15 seconds. Um, but I love teaching. I love education. This is, this is my hard work that I've decided to do for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, we're going to keep it, keep it there. Yeah. We're going to stop there. Yeah, and shout yeah, out to yeah. Horace. He's a podcast vet with us on the show. If you guys have been a long time, you know, listener, this is Horace's third appearance. Oh, come um, on. Wow. On our show. Yeah, no, so. Come on, three minutes. Okay. Oh, Steph Curry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Shout out. You just sit and listen. Yeah. 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 You don't need me. Shout out to Horace. Okay. Uh, All right. We're going to pass the mic. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Tamir Harper. I am a product product of the good, bad, and ugly of the school district of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am currently a first year teacher teaching beautiful, melanated, and brilliant eighth grade students right. uh, social justice, English, and writing here in West Philly, which is where I was pretty much raised on the weekends, uh, where I spent every weekend with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Educators do God's work, so thank mm-hmm. y'all for doing that work. Uh, Dr. David Johns. Yes, Dr. Yes. Yes. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I'm passionate about teaching our babies and checking adults who get in their way. Uh, Chief Disruptor, mm-hmm. also quarterback the team at the National Black Justice Coalition. Yes. Uh, Robert Simmons, uh, head of social impact and STEM programs for Micron Technology, Micron Foundation, uh, scholar in residence and scholar of anti-racist practices at American University. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. still uh, engaged there and uh, just uh, excited to learn uh, from this group, in particular the Young Brothers, because I feel detached Mm -hmm. from kind of the world that they live in, and I always find great joy in being educated. And uh, I, I think there needs to be older folks. Yeah. I include myself. I'll admit, I'm looking forward to the AARP benefits soon. <laughs> you eligible now, brother? They got good discounts, they do. so I ain't knocking it. They do. But I think that uh, a very radical thing that I'm working on a paper on is. Uh, older folks in our community being mentored by younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this idea of, of radical mentoring allows for the transfer of knowledge so and insight that, uh, you know, about mm-hmm. social media, about school and mm-hmm. just uh, life in general. So um, I'm excited um, to uh, be mentored by 
you know, these young birds, birds, because they, okay. they, they, it's a different world. It's a different <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like I'm like the bridge. I'm like not too young and not too old yet. Which I love this, right? <laughs> My name is Marjavon Shaw, um, co-founder, former uh, chief impact officer for Profound Gentlemen. I just left that work to start um, my new venture, which is I serve as a mindfulness leadership coach. I just want to be able to provide um, coaching for leaders who are in social entrepreneurship spaces. Mm-hmm. When I was doing Profound Gentlemen for almost 10 years, like I didn't necessarily have a coach um, until my last two years, and I saw the impact and the difference that it made. And so I want to be able to provide that same experience for other men of color who are in social entrepreneurship. Love that. So, listeners, as you can see, my co-conspirators, okay, we have a treat for you today. So today we are going to focus on intergenerational leadership and really working to to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, long list of folks in the room today, but we're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, uh, we love to tell our listeners, how did you guys get into education? Mm -hmm. I don't know if all of you have been classroom teachers or not. But I know in some form, shape, or fashion, you guys are all involved in education. So how did you guys kind of embark on that journey? Like, what drove you to do that? Mm-hmm. So I'll start. Um, this is David. Um, for me, it was the convergence of ignorance and privilege. My mm-hmm. senior year at Columbia University, uh, 2004, um, extremely privileged white classmates of mine showed their asses. Mm -hmm. Um, This was after I had spent a semester um, doing a domestic exchange program at Howard University. Mm. I was the staff writer of the year for the Hilltop, one of the most successful student newspapers in the country. And I witnessed Clarence Thomas sell us down the river as a community during the Greta Gratz and Bollinger um, Supreme Court hearings. Um, What's interesting about this to mark time is that we're now at a point in our Mm -hmm. geopolitical environment where they're rehearing these cases and trying them again after they were already adjudicated. But the long and short of it is that after Clarence Thomas sold us down the river, I engaged in a conversation with Su Chen Pak. The young folks won't know who this is, but y'all know Sway, who was her producing partner on MTV. Mm -hmm. And she ended up asking me a very well-intentioned question, but it was essentially like, what's it like to go from a place that is as diverse and resourced as Columbia to a place like Howard. And I read her for filth in part because, again, she had bought into this narrative that diversity looks a certain way and it's usually us adding value to white people without appreciating that Howard is, if not the one of the most diverse institutions in our country, period, full stop. Mm -hmm. So I go back to Columbia with a lot of the frustration and rage of really wanting to have found Hillman, which Mm -hmm. didn't exist at Mm -hmm. Howard, Mm -hmm. uh, and really struggling with how white supremacy shows up in all of our spaces. Mm -hmm. And at Columbia, there were three separate events. The first was um, an anti-affirmative action bake sale, which started at University of California, Berkeley, and migrated its way across the country, where conservative clubs were essentially saying that black, indigenous, non-white people didn't deserve to be there. We got there only because of these policies and practices. Mm -hmm. They forgot that Columbia was a private institution that didn't have affirmative action, but did have legacy practices, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There was also our marching band who aims to be offensive. Unlike most HBCU bands that are just excellent, ours use humor. You know, white folks' brand of humor, which is to be offensive and then say, oh, it was just a joke. Mm -hmm. And one of the pictures that they put up had an image of a Barnard student, a girl's college across the way from Columbia. Columbia was founded as an all-male institution, and it's that Barnard girls are bisexual by and large. Mm-hmm. By and large, bisexual and large. Mm-hmm. And again, this was a student's picture. They had another picture of Michael Jackson as a black boy, then a white woman. 
asked the question, mm-hmm. who leads ethnic studies? There had been a student on a hunger strike in the middle of campus. And then on February 21st, 2004, the Federalist, a student group on campus, published a cartoon called Blackie Fun Whitey, starring mm-hmm. Kuta Cornelius and Steppen that reduced our contributions to this country that we built for free to sports and entertainment. The last slide said, don't worry, black people do lots of other wacky things, but you don't have to worry about that until next Black History Month. I share this because before this moment, in spite of having always worked with children, Mm -hmm. the the message I got as a first-generation black male graduate from an Ivy League institution was we take over countries or corporations. Mm -hmm. There was never a mention of, of, of the value of education. But in this moment, I found myself struggling with acknowledging the law is not a radical vehicle for change. It's much more about preserving precedent. I heard Lee Bollinger say this to my face as a student. I founded an organization called Columbia University Concerned Students of Color and fought the administration to change some of the things that just felt unfair. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in the building where I was called to teach. Mm -hmm. The university chaplain had been moved Mm -hmm. there temporarily. Mm -hmm. I'd asked all these questions about like what was going on in this space, like why I didn't see enough babies that looked like me, um, and was invited Mm-hmm. Um, to accept an invitation, which I acknowledge had always been a calling on my life to be an educator. Mm-hmm. And so teaching kindergarten and third grade helped to connect so many disparate dots that existed in the world, things yeah. that just didn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And it's where I got my grounding. But it was it was literally the convergence of ignorance and privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Powerful story. Who next? All of you had an impactful yeah. journey. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would like to... Uh, to go next, because mine was from my college experience as well. Um, I was the president of our Black Student Union at the University of Cincinnati. Mm. We had an African-American um, student uh, um, center at our campus called the AACRC. And every week we would have catch about like 15 to 20 mice. Like, and it's supposed to be like the space that's supposed to represent mm-hmm. Black students. So as the president of our Black Student Union, I was charged to be able to call the university leaders out. And in doing so, I got um, threatened with expulsion, um, death threats, all these different things, but I didn't stop. Over and we, some mice? Yeah, on my, over some mice. Because we put it on um, Twitter and different, like, <laughs> local... At the time, it was, you know, that's what we used back then. <laughs> Twitter. We just got... What you know about my space? What you know about my space? Right. Somebody told you that in the project. Somebody told him about it. Right. Nothing. You didn't even have an AOL CD-ROM. And you have to have a hotmail account. Yeah, in a college ID for Facebook. Yes, yes. You have a college ID for Facebook. A college email for Facebook. And that's that's what I that's the generation that I came upon where like, you know, social media was just now, you know, and so we were like, let's figure out how to use it. the day we were supposed to speak to our university vice president, who was a black man, but Mm-hmm. sold us down oh, the river as well. Um, I had got a tire, my tire had uh, got a flat. Um, and I had to rely on the younger generation that I was a senior um, on college. I had to rely on the younger generation, those who were freshmen and sophomores, to still go speak because I knew it was important to not bring a coalition of other seniors to really solve mm-hmm. this problem because we will be graduating. Mm-hmm. And so I brought freshmen and sophomores together, trained them up as leaders, gave the package to them. And now I think the the culture center is, uh, it, it was it was one room at first, and now mm. it's multiple rooms today, mm. multiple floors, Beautiful. all of those things. So by the end of the year, 
they had changed all that up, but it it is putting my it was putting myself mm-hmm. in the line of fire in order to mm-hmm. be able to change something that I actually believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what made me. I did also. Uh, uh, we did a um, what was it called? We did like the. It was like the oh god, I can't remember them anymore. It was like ten years ago. Just make it up. Won't nobody know right, anyway. Right. It's it was like, yeah, we was doing like a rally pretty much okay. uh, after Trayvon Martin. We knew that during Labor Day uh, is when the university does a lot of student uh, tours, mm-hmm. uh, mm. and so we did it right in front of the student union. Smart. We did like mm. a like a a, a display and yeah. stuff, and we kind of reenacted uh, kind of the movements that we saw. Um, we did a lot of. I, it's still on Twitter and stuff. <laughs> they tried to tell me to take it off, and they was like, "We take if you take it off, you know, we're not going to expel you." But it was the alumni um, from my university that stepped in and, and protected me. Um, and so when we talk about intergenerational leadership, they brought me to a house mm. of an alumni leader who gave a lot of money to the university, um, and he was like, "I'm going to stop." giving the money to the university if we don't solve this issue. And that's when the university mm, kicked in. Mm-hmm. So supporting my that I was supported I supported the younger generation and then the alumni supported me mm-hmm. um to be Beautiful. able to push this forward. I love that. And that's how I got into education. Yeah. I was like, I I gotta still do this. Yes. <laughs> I gotta make this happen. Passing it on. <laughs> yes. Uh I, well, I think for me, like, I, I haven't been on this planet for a long time. It's only <laughs> he had years. to say that. Keep on living. Because you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> with, with your AARP right. card. <laughs> right, with your AARP and the benefit. Right. <laughs> um, but in the, in the short time that I've been here, like, right. just keeping in mind that, like, I haven't I haven't experienced much, or at least mm-hmm. it, it feels mm-hmm. like it, right? Um, and so thinking about where education started for me, it started in my home. Um, my father is a school counselor of twenty years. My mm-hmm. uh, my aunt is an assistant principal of some years, and she was teaching before that. She was free. She learned from Freedom Schools, yes, and then mm-hmm. went to go teach, and then she did at the city year and stuff like that. And my grandmother was a preschool teacher for some time, and my mother's a climate manager. So it's all it's all in the family. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't know that this was for me until when I got to high school. Like I, I think I wanted to be a neurologist or an architect mm-hmm. before any of this. And, and it just felt like, because you, like Timmy said earlier on our t- panel, you need a doctor or a lawyer mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. bringing the money, you know, cause mm-hmm. yeah, no, the different conversation. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I was never introduced to education in, in, a, in a formal setting. It was just, it was in my bones because this is what all my family was, you know, and I didn't really take value into that. But it wasn't until like I got to college that I started to understand that, you know, my father, who's like career school counselor, had they had him doing a thousand and one jobs every single day, mm-hmm. you know, like being the uncle, being the father to some young people who just did not have that in the home or being the school teacher when the school district of Philadelphia didn't send out a sub to their school that day. And he had to step in and teach the, the, the lesson when he didn't have a lesson because he's a school counselor. He shouldn't have to have a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking about that and also acknowledging that my my father, despite all that, still loves his job, mm-hmm. you know, like and, and those kids get on mm-hmm. his nerves. Because they're kids, they yes, they they don't know no do. better. <laughs> but he loves his job. My mom loves her job. My mm-hmm. aunt loved her job. 
Um, and so it became a part of me when I came to the the first national black male educators convening back in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Tamir invited me to speak and I sat next to him, nervous as all hell. And, and, <laughs> and I did my best. And Sharifa Mecca came with me and was like, you are, you are astounding. You are, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, brother, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. Like yeah. I, I didn't know any of this. And then from that point, you know, finishing out high school and then, you know, going off to Morehouse and being exposed to so many brilliant educators um, that have informed my practice. And I'm still learning the theory. I'm still learning how to love this for what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But teaching and learning has become a part of who I am and mm-hmm. the scholar that I want to be. Like my research is in belonging, black kids belonging. That That's my thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how can I take that into my practice as an educator? Um, so the science side of it, but then the actual practical application of what this whole thing is and what does it mean for our black babies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's, yeah, that's where I come from. That's awesome. mm-hmm. Dr. Yeah. Simmons. As the most senior member of the, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a generational privilege and just say, one, I appreciate all of y'all um, and just hearing the stories Um you know, it's it's a bit disconnected for me just because, you know, I have kids and like they're busy. Mm-hmm. So my interaction with younger folks in the field is just limited just because of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think um, my mother always says who graduated from Spelman oh, beautiful. Um, and was civil rights activist and is a librarian who's retired next year. She always says to me that uh, your greatest gift to the world isn't actually what you do for other people anymore. Mm-hmm. It's what you do for your kids. Mm-hmm. And like, you're going to have to start saying no to things mm-hmm. so that you can mm-hmm. be present for mm-hmm. John and Malcolm, my two, our two preach. boys. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think for me, <laughs> oftentimes <clears throat> I'm a little detached from going to these types of convenings because mm-hmm. like, I just don't, I just don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of basketball mm-hmm. and um, our uh, Malcolm is uh, uh, neurodiverse um, and just being present for that journey with him mm-hmm. and my amazing uh, uh, partner, uh, Nicole. Um, and I think I got into education in 96. We didn't even, I don't even know if we had. Don't do, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just let them finish. Don't I mean, both of their heads. Hey, I know. They looking like, I'll do the math. See how You see that? We were off, we off mic. They were calling me shady. See? It's the, it's the, it's I know. Yo, both of them. So at night, and I was fine. I, I said, don't do it. They did it. I could have been there teaching all of them. Except I wasn't thought about yet. So you, dang. So. Um, it gets worse. I know it gets worse. Uh, and so I um, was a product of uh, my both of my parents with the Morehouse and Spelman, um, and uh, my mother and I ran up I seventy five because my father was incarcerated my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I always say that that narrative of the uh, functionally illiterate black men in prison is is a narrative, but it's not the only narrative, right? Mm -hmm. As I think about my father's incarceration and the day after I came back from seeing him in uh, Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, because he did Fed time, um, I knew that that I needed to be an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of the conditions in Detroit at the height of the crack cocaine epidemic, 
Um, I received an opportunity as a college, as a high school football player in our public, uh, the police athletic league to go to an all male Jesuit high school as a part of the better chance program where Mm -hmm. they take basically, uh, low income black and Latino kids, send them to these elite prep schools. And I didn't, I had never gone to school with white folks up to that point, Mm -hmm. never gone to school (laughs) in Catholic schools. I just went to my neighborhood middle school, elementary school. I didn't know. And it was a part of um, Detroit that I didn't even know black people lived in that part of Detroit because it was like over in Sherwood Forest, which is like where the four tops Mm. and the temptations, Mm -hmm. like affluent black people. So even in this context, I don't know those groups. We, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's remind people. Yes. <laughs> Went to the museum and looked it up. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Lie. All of the people they listen to <laughs> yeah. sample That's our right. generation. So let's be clear. Ain't nothing that they do original. <laughs> Stevie Wonder <laughs> makes music. Come on, David John. Come on. Come on now. So, and so as a result of that, um, when I was at my Jesuit high school as one of the few um black kids from the city, like my class was about 35% black. I was the only kid that had ever lived in public housing, mm-hmm. that grew up um, uh, probably about maybe a mile from 12th and Claremont, uh, where they had the uprising. It was not a riot. Um, it was an mm-hmm. uprising against police brutality um, mm-hmm. um, when when uh, our folks burned down the city. Um, and I had the opportunity for my senior service project um, that you had to complete to go to uh, any place that I want. They gave you this list. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to a school. And at this point, I was really not sure what I wanted to do. I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'll figure it out when I get to college. Um, and I went to the school and you could go to Detroit Public School. And I went back to my neighborhood elementary school where I went to school at and did my senior service project. And I, um, I got hooked. Like yeah. I was just like, OK, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Football is going to be my vehicle in college mm-hmm. to get there. But. I don't really care about any of these other things. I'm going to become a teacher. And, and you know, and, and granted, I dabbled with engineering because I was a STEM teacher um, and, you know, almost kind of tapped out of education when mm-hmm. I was like, oh, engineering, this is, can be a little more lucrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of stayed the path because I also knew that um, when I was taking engineering courses, there weren't any black people in the class. Mm-hmm. Like, there was more black people in my education courses. So I was like, eh, that's not for me. Um, And so that's what got me there was just that one experience. And I knew that that's what um, I I should do. And my first teaching job in 1996 was at Drew Middle School, right up the street Mm -hmm. from McKenzie High School, which is where Jerome Bettis went to high school. And it's one of the most violent zip codes um, in the city. Um, And I didn't know I had like you had to go through a metal detector in a middle school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, what What are we doing here, right? And I, I, and it didn't dawn on me being so detached, even as someone who was from that neighborhood. But I never went back home because of what was going on in the neighborhood in the summer. I always stayed at the university working because I was like, nah, I'm not uh, going to uh, put myself back in those situations. So that's what got me in education was that one that one experience uh, working mm-hmm. with uh, those young folks. Mm-hmm. 
back in 1996. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I graduated in 96, so that would have been 1995 when I did my student <laughs> teaching. When I interacted with those kids, it was 1991 because I graduated mm. in May of 1992. Listen, high Dr. Simmons, he's seasoned, child, and he coming right. with the wisdom. Right. Yeah. So we ain't mad. Oh. Tamir, you the last. It's on you, brother. Yes. Tell I, us. I, I'll give it, I'll be brief in the sense that that good, bad, and ugly is why I teach. I, like I said, a product of the school district of Philadelphia. So I went to my neighborhood school from K to six, Morton Elementary School, and I still remember sitting in an auditorium and it was brown stains on the ceiling tiles and then mm, leaks yeah, with buckets yeah. and trash cans. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not the spot. And then we got smart boards and then we were like, oh, these are fire. And then the smart board stopped working right. and nobody came right. to fix, fix it. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we, we stayed in this environment of the continued cycle. And then I went to Tilton mm-hmm. Middle School, which was at the time rated one of the worst middle schools in the city of Philadelphia. And my parents had a rule. You wasn't staying in their house and not going to school. Mm-hmm. And if you was going to school, I want to see A's and B's. And if you bring a C home, you better be able to justify that C or D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to go to this middle school and I started to call my mom every morning because my parents went to work before I was going to school. I was like, can I stay home? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to school. She's like, you loved school. Oh, you're mm-hmm. not getting homework. Why are you not getting homework? Like, mm-hmm. you're not about to just come home and sit around the house all day. You need mm-hmm. something to do. And... I think it started to give them the sense that, hey, this school is not for Tamir at this mm-hmm. moment. Um, and while I love the environment, it was no longer challenging for me. So my parents found with our counselor this random school in South Philly. I'm from Southwest. So I caught the G bus in the rain, in the snow, <laughs> whatever the weather is. I even went to school with wet pants. If you stand too close to the street and the car splash you, mm. mom's like, you still need to be on, at school on time. That's your fault. Figure it out. <laughs> so I yes, still have to go okay. to school <laughs> yes. for 7th, 8th grade. But I went to this school now, and we have no metal detectors. Or 6th grade, I went to school with metal detectors. In 6th grade, I went to school with no air conditioning. In 6th grade, went to school where... The teacher quit in the first week, and then we got pushed in one classroom. Mm-hmm. But then I mm-hmm. went to this school in the more, to be honest, white part of the city mm-hmm. where we had air conditioning. We had a science teacher that only taught science with a science lab. Oh, I never took science a day in my life. Mm-hmm. So started to mm-hmm. see this like, oh, something's not working here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I went to the Science Leadership Academy, which is a one-on-one project-based learning magnet school in the city. And I said, well... I can't go to my neighborhood school and get the same education. Mm-hmm. What, what is the problem? So I started to question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will say it, getting a high schooler that question is pretty dangerous because now I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that don't make sense. And then I'll start Googling. And then it was like, so things started to push. And I was invited to, by Elmeki actually, to go to the Department of Education and speak on a panel about the impact of black male educators. Mm-hmm. And I went from being wanting to be a doctor to saying, no, one day I'm going to disrupt the system. Mm-hmm. And at that good. time, though, after disrupting the system was running for office or being a superintendent. Mm-hmm. But disrupting the system is actually being in the classroom right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was that moment. So being with those 18 black men at convened at 48th Street Bar and Grill that's now across the street from the school I teach at to mm-hmm. then both of my siblings telling me they're having children and we live in that same neighborhood and 
as I tell them, I'd be damned if my nephews are going to a broken system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I teach. Because I remember that, one, my nephews have to go. And I got to make it personal. My nephews have to go to the system. Mm-hmm. But two, I knew I was shortchanged. Mm-hmm. Because now dating my partner who went to private school all her life, and we start seeing the have and the have nots. I'm like, mm-hmm. but our, our black and brown melanated babies that live in low income, and it's low income because of the system that made it low income, can't get that same education is a problem. Mm-hmm. So I go in every day with mm. ready to fight. Yes. Ready to fight. Yeah. Even when tired. Yes. yes. So the yes. common theme between all of your stories, right, to be in education is that you've seen a problem and you wanted to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of you felt like being in education mm-hmm. was a way to fix that problem and a way to stay in that fight. Mm-hmm. So I applaud all of you brothers in the many different ways that you're touching education and impacting our children. And thank you, like, for staying in the fight. Thank you for being an educational justice. Like, we can't do it without y'all. So mm-hmm. shout out to y'all on that, that common thread. Now, with that being a common thread, there is a missing link here. Um, and Dr. Simmons has pointed to that already, right? Him admitting, <laughs> right? Like, I am the elder statesman here, and I feel super disconnected um, from our younger generation. So I often wrestle with that question. How are we able to kind of bridge that gap between the old school and the new school? Um, I was talking to some folks earlier today, um, and they were talking about how there are generations of young people, probably two or three, that are lost. Um, And they're lost because of the older generation. Kind of not digging in, not mentoring, um, not bridging those gaps. So I would love just to open up some dialogue between you gentlemen, um, because we are represented here probably, I don't know if it's five or four or three. You know, I'm not good at that Gen Z, Gen X. But what we do, we have from 50 to 20, somebody that represents every decade um, sitting at this table. So I would love to hear from from you gentlemen. How do you think we can bridge that gap between um, older educators and younger educators? Can I um, reframe? Sure. So I want to push on uh, my brother Simmons for a second. And while I appreciate the uh, transparency Mm -hmm. in terms of how you show up in the arena, I also want to make clear that if it were not for the financial investment that Mm -hmm. has been made because of the position he occupies at Micron, we would not be sitting here having this conversation. Facts. Facts. So that's a part of it, right? Which Mm -hmm. is that over time, if we do this right, if we're lucky enough, we get to move in and out of positions of power and influence Mm. to contribute to the work that everybody's doing in the arena, right? So this goes back to your point, brother, about where you see power and change. I often think about Dr. Freeman Rabowski, former president of UMBC, who says we should never be beholden to the tyranny of either or, but celebrate the beauty of both and. Mm -hmm. So it's both and, right? Y'all's ability to be in the classroom, my ability to be in federal space, your ability to be a funder, all of that matters. That's one part of it. The other part of it is that um, words matter. I think a lot about um, Aniyala, who's like, name a thing, a thing, beloved. And there's a part of me that feels like this is where language fails us. And, And by that, I mean those of us who've been um, uh, the connection to the continent of Africa has been disrupted intentionally. Mm-hmm. So when I think about um, leadership in our community, it is by definition, if it is Black and or Afrocentric, it is intergenerational. Mm-hmm. I think that there are opportunities for us to figure out how to be in better community with one another, mm-hmm. but I actually don't think that us engaging intergenerationally is the problem. Okay. Speak for me, the that. problem comes when Young folks don't have meaningful, 
authentic mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. with elders mm-hmm. in mm. their community. Mm. Come on. Right? Like the, the, the problems exist when there's somebody who is not willing to put their bodies on young people, who has mm. the strength and courage to say, I ain't afraid of none of y'all. We're going to have these discussions. I don't like that word and here's why. Mm. I don't care if you're going to cuss me out in this space. Sure. I'm going to say the things. That I need to say. For me, that's less about what um, white people might say is a result of generations not talking. Mm-hmm. It, it for me is a reflection of us not being able to have the kind of community that allowed us to thrive on the continent and in spaces where we had to deal with white supremacy and and its nasty evil cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think again, and would love for us to have a conversation about how we ensure that we're strengthening community Mm -hmm. because I think there's more room for us to run in um, Mm. as opposed to the how do we fix these intergenerational divides if only for the reason that a lot of that becomes uh, very surface level and didactic to where you have young people saying that what you represent is a relic of a past that we're trying to get away from because we need Mm. to get free Mm. right and there's strength and wisdom and all of it so I keep going back to community does that make sense yeah it makes sense to me for sure but I think um what I mm. learned about work on the diaspora is that community is intergenerational, and you said that. So it is a gap um, in language, but it makes complete sense um, in the way you But I want to add to that, that I think we see this playing out uh, where it has to be intentional. And I think that for folks, when I think about myself, to hold my own self accountable, I think that... Um, what Dr. Johns is mentioning um, is 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 a reminder in two ways. One, it's a reminder for those of us who are elders who have other priorities in our life with our own children and like just other things that our parents may be getting older mm-hmm. to 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 figure out how to balance the needs of the broader community that poured into us before we had this newish community called our children. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think for me, that's a reminder of figuring out like, all right, well, how do I do that? And I'm literally running through my brain like, all right, well, the number of times people have asked me to come and talk to kids and mentor kids and young people. And I'm just like, I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. How I think it's, it's on us to yeah. make time because as was mentioned, yeah, like, there is a lot of, of, of power and privilege that I have because of my role at Micron, mm-hmm. where not only am I at the foundation, I also have a role in one of the largest tech companies in the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's not just foundation, but also engaging in other parts of, of the business. But, but I can't let that be the reason in saying, well, I'm so busy with that, that I lose that personal connection with uh, Tamir and Mario and others that that I interact with, and then the last thing is that it's 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 critical for the older generation to figure out where this is happening because it's not just in our communities, right? I've heard I, I listened to all the smoke with um, Stephen Jackson and. Um, What's his name? Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I hear them talking about often from a sports perspective, in particular in basketball, mm-hmm. is how young the locker mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. has yes. become, mm-hmm. which leads to a mm-hmm. lot of the things that we see mm-hmm. with uh, younger players 
doing crazy things. Yeah, like Henry Ruggs, yeah. uh, who played wide receiver for the Raiders, was drinking or whatever it was and, and killed somebody. And now yeah. he could spend the rest of his life in prison, right? Yeah. And they talk about how in the early days mm. of the NBA, there were always these OGs yeah. on the team mm-hmm. who would teach you not how to play sports, but how mm-hmm. to be a man, mm-hmm. right? Like in a professional sport environment, right? Mm-hmm. To understand your responsibility to your community, to understand all of these nuances of what does it mean to be a celebrity and all of those things. And I mm-hmm. think that there's a requirement for for those who are in my generation to take a step back and figure out how can we do that? How can I talk to young folks about what is the pathway if you want yeah. to do something other than being be in teaching? And like there are pockets of it where where you see it. Like I remember when when David worked at uh, the White House and I would see him doing his thing and like I'm like, oh, all right, like. I ain't know we worked at the White House in these types of <laughs> jobs. Like, uh, like uh, all right, like, all right, do that. Like, whatever that is, I don't know what he does all day, but like, this right here, be disruptive. Is this, this white people to move out the way? Yeah, and he would do that on, in conversations, right? And for me, it's about exposing, in particular when it comes to younger black men educators. I want to go make sure we mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. that. How do we share insights? Because again, like the days of, of, of folks staying in the classroom for mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, I would argue that those days are probably gone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not mm-hmm. convinced. And, and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, right? I, I think the jury's still out on what it that means. Is. It just is, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, how do we provide that insight from a, a Dr. David Johns about like, how do you end up where you were to doing work on the Hill to yeah. then being in the Obama White House mm-hmm. to doing work at uh, at Columbia for the doctoral degree, mm-hmm. all while leading MBJC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you make this progression from mm-hmm. teacher mm-hmm. to this to now yeah. David Johns being on The Breakfast Club? Mm-hmm. Where you just like yeah. that yeah. is important for our young people to see, mm-hmm. right? Or brother El Mecki going from teacher to principal mm-hmm. and mastery to now leading this movement. Mm-hmm. I, I just think we need to do a better job at figuring out how to tell that story. And then the last mm-hmm. thing I'll say that I think um, is important, right? And this is something that was not taught to me. We need to te- we need to talk about money. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. we need to be That's able to say true. to folks like, yes. yo, when you're in the system and when you're <laughs> a teacher in Philadelphia public schools, Tamir, I, look, mm-hmm. you need to figure out when your pension vest. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need to say like, OK, and then how much do you get, you get of that right. pension based right. on when you retire? Working, yes. mm-hmm. I, I didn't have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I do know is my life is drastically different. Mm-hmm. working in corporate America and at Micron mm-hmm. to the point where I've had to call on my elders who have retired and say like, all right, I need to hear you when you were telling me about 401ks, the stock market. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean when you're on a board at a nonprofit and you can take your stock that they give you 
mm-hmm. and give it to the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I mm-hmm. never knew that was an actual mm-hmm. thing. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Like, mm-hmm. what? That's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's this need to really be clear mm-hmm. about those financial investments that need to be made uh, because it's something that, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm still paying off my student loan debt because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know about the cancellation mm-hmm. when I was a teacher. Like I wasn't submitting the paperwork all the time because I didn't, you know, know, I didn't take a lot of that time. So I, I think mm-hmm. that you know I appreciate David's push on language, but mm-hmm. also about how we think about this as an opportunity, um, not simply and singularly as a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. I want to answer both of your. Well, actually, offer a different question to Dr. Johns and Dr. Simmons. Like, to your point about community, and to your point, how how do we how do we share those stories? And I, yeah, I, I always like I always go back to my research. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I love talking about spaces and places and belonging. Right. Mm-hmm. So you think about like our relationships and our stories as a little yeah. bit of forms of capital. Like talking about how do we mm. how do we buy time, how do we buy experience? Mm-hmm. We, we can't because we have to live it. Mm-hmm. But you two have more experience than me combined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, all of you have more experience mm-hmm. than me combined, right? Mm-hmm. So it's thinking about like how do we, how do, yeah. why? Why haven't I and why don't some of my peers engage with you? Um, why haven't we stopped and asked you, well, how did you get to where you are? Mm-hmm. And, and what, what did it take for you? Like, how hard did you work to get into this room, right? Mm. And, and part of me thinks it's, I mm. partially blame social media as, as far as we've gotten. Like you, you look on your phone, you looked on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you have a constant feed of people who are very, very successful, but also mm. seem inaccessible, yep. mm. right? You have mm-hmm. these people who are, who, yeah. who, you know, in your position, you know, as, as I knew who you were, but like, I never thought I'd be in the same room <laughs> yeah, as you. Exactly. I never thought I'd be in the same room as you. I, Facts. I'm in Facts. multiple rooms with him, right? So yeah. you have you have these things yeah. that are like that. Yes. These people that seem so like yeah. so far, and, and, and yep. we know that, and I know at least I say I don't know that if I just ask you, like. Mm-hmm. Human to human, black man to black man, will you help mm-hmm. me? And sometimes the answer mm-hmm. can it can be no. Like mm-hmm. you have children, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. you get to that point. But it's using that that our stories as, as forms of capital to buy into whatever whatever room we need to get into. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes a, it takes a how. Like how can we do that? How can we engage in that way? Mm-hmm. But I also understand that there are plenty of young people, and sometimes myself included, who are mm-hmm. extremely arrogant. We don't want to ask for help because we again. I see on my phone a constant stream of success. I wouldn't be able to get it out the mud myself. Mm. You know, like I don't want to have to ask for help, um, but I know I need to, which is a whole different thing. Yeah, because white supremacy at work. But keep going. But, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but but I know that you know that that disconnect from from in, like inter, intergenerational intellect disconnect is because we we have not used our elders and those who came before us. Because like you said, even about music, nothing we do is original. Mm-hmm. If we just pick up a history book, we, we, we no, we like, it, it's not original. Mm-hmm. But if we simply are able to engage with that, mm-hmm. we then have the foundation for what for this to come like. This summer, I relied on Doctor Carr's Doctor yeah. Carr's lessons yeah, and yes, and yes, like his his basic framework mm-hmm. for how to teach children. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to come up with my own. Mm-hmm. I was using his right and, and thinking like again. If we just pick up a book, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and three things, I think, in threes. One is this, I keep going back to community, and I just want to name an author, Sambufu Some who talks about in this book called The Spirit of Intimacy, that like mm-hmm. the thing white supremacy mm-hmm. did was to destroy our communities. Mm-hmm. If we are in community with each other, we're able to have those conversations. Yes. We understand that white supremacy wins by convincing us mm-hmm. that we can be successful alone in a capitalist society where mm-hmm. the exact opposite is yes. true, yes. right? Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just want to underscore again, if this were Instagram, I'd be double tapping on community. The second thing is this. I have a, a personal request of you, um, and I understand why you do it, but I would love for you to practice not diminishing your experience. Mm-hmm. I've listened to you do it three times, so I, this is personal point of privilege. You are the only and best expert in your lived experience. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. combined... Mm-hmm. Get it out your head, mm-hmm. right? The, the one thing that mm-hmm. this is, Robert was pointing to this that I feel most proud of in the time that mm-hmm. I had serving our country in the White House was to say, adults always assume that we know more. Mm-hmm. I have lots of experiences, but That's I don't so have good. any of your experiences. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So get out mm-hmm. of your way and wow. assuming mm-hmm. that other people have knowledge that you don't have. So to go yeah. back to the, the, the question and the gap, yeah. mm-hmm. a part of what I feel, yeah. what I'm experiencing in this moment is a divide that exists because some of this is being created in real time. Mm. Yeah. So mm. Robert was mm. talking about when I was in the White House, and he said, I didn't know that, that, that we had those jobs and we were in the White House. The reality is that the job that I had in the White House was created. Yeah, mm. right. I was yeah. the first ever yeah. executive director of the White House Initiative on Educational Access for African Americans. Mm-hmm. Prior to President Obama being appointed because people went to go vote, there were six other initiatives, the eldest of which was a White House initiative on HBCUs, established mm-hmm. under Carter. There was one for educational mm-hmm. excellence for Hispanics, yep. Native American, Alaska, Native, mm-hmm. Native Hawaiians. There was one on faith-based and neighborhood partnerships. Mm-hmm. It was President Obama who said, mm-hmm. we need, with Roberto Rodriguez and a couple of other folks who've been mm-hmm. in this space, we need something as someone who can focus on educational excellence before birth, through college completion and career entry. Mm-hmm. The job didn't exist before I got there. Mm-hmm. So similar to your observation, I thought that to be in education and to be in a position of power, it was classroom teacher, superintendent, maybe principal, mm-hmm. or then at some point it was like secretary of education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a part of me wants to offer, and this goes back to some things I'm trying to pull from my dissertation, that like when some of us ask questions of elders, they don't have the ability to imagine the worlds that we're dreaming of. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So much of what shows up in this space and mm-hmm. everybody should know that I'm going here on our panel is that like we still don't feel comfortable saying gay in spaces Come like on. this. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. And Come we on. and and and, yeah. and and we prevent ourselves yeah. from being able to hold space to say like That's, us not on. naming how homophobia shows Ooh. up in black space right. when mm-hmm. black people that's are in positions of power it's the same shit that right. we criticize white people for and we just call them white supremacists so and so here's what I know Dr. which is that right. so many yeah. of your peers yeah. niggas who I light up all the time Come on. will not will not sit <laughs> yeah. next to me because they don't yes. feel comfortable they don't feel comfortable they don't want this language they don't like the articulation of it they say we're passionate when we're nice and so much yeah. of this is yeah. making them uncomfortable because it didn't exist. That's mm. right. I believe, and this That's is what right. I hope is the bridge, right? Like freedom yeah. is our baby saying to us that That's they right. want to use language, mm-hmm. they right. want to have jobs, mm-hmm. they want to have relationships that haven't existed heretofore. But That's we have right. been taught, yeah. and elders in particular hold on to the world in which yes. they have known often because it's a thing that allows them to be safe or just a function. Yeah, that's right. So I think that a part of this is 
how do community, how does our community mm. heal mm-hmm. such that mm-hmm. we can be in better community in mm-hmm. moments where we're required to be mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. Yes. such that we can imagine worlds that haven't existed here too for. Mm. Yes. So good. And, and, I, and when I think about, so and David Very and I have powerful. talked about this wow. and I've seen him light up my peers. I have seen it with activities. <laughs> and I enjoy it, right? Because I'm always like, mm, all right, well, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 the other part of the other side of this equation, right, mm-hmm. is is to tell from our generations and our our, our time over the years of, of working in the same spaces, I'll get, did you see what David said on social media? Yeah. Was it wrong? And I think for yeah. me, I always say to folks that mm. as someone who grew up mm-hmm. in this divide between my grandmother being a part of Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church, mm-hmm. but my mother raised me in a Black Episcopal church mm-hmm. where conversations about gay and trans Mm -hmm. and like that was what I grew up with in the Episcopal Mm -hmm. church like it was normative but yet he didn't brought out the book (laughs) okay when he does this I'm always like we should just right so the question the question then becomes I pulled out a book called (laughs) Unclobber yes I pulled out a book because you got to stay ready. Um, and, and, and I'm going to put an asterisk here, which is that a part of me appreciates that this is a calling I have on my life and a part of me yeah. re- resents it. Yeah. It's also exhausting. Yes. Right? Yes. And there are a lot of people who actually hate it and don't want to share space for this reason. Yes. But I put out this book because, again, like, how can we hold better community? So, so much of what Black folks who have been fed white supremacy religion. That's right. Yes. Mm. Do is take a few passages mm-hmm. cherry picked mm-hmm. from the Uh-oh. Bible Uh-oh. that references Uh-oh. clobber passages to justify mm. homophobia. Mm-hmm. And this would be a whole nother podcast, but I submit that most of those mm. interpretations are simply wrong. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. selfish mm-hmm. and they work to uphold the mm. heterosexual agenda. Correct. So I just want to offer, and I'm not going to go into agenda. it. It is, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a heterosexual yeah. agenda. I know, I know. Right? Because they saying, talk about the gay agenda all the right, time. Right. But let's highlight so that, which is often invisible. Right. Yes. The heterosexual agenda. Yes. Yes. Right? Black feminists yes. talk about sciences and the symbols of matrix domination as a part of it. So yes. I just want to offer this for... Black religious folks who say, <laughs> my God won't let me do it. And that. then they might make exceptions, right? They'll make an yeah. exception to say my child, my loved one is, and they don't lean into the contradiction. Yep. Yeah. Because those scriptures right. also invite us to lean into the contradiction. Right. When we even step back and think about Jews and Gentiles, that, mm-hmm. that we can even right. talk about them in the same space, yes. is us leaning into that contradiction. contradiction. So I'm just going to quote one scripture, which is Acts 10, 34, where Peter said, I'm really learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Mm-hmm. So I don't, and, and this used to vex me because people wanted to argue this and I'd be like, y'all really want to do this with the Black Sandra Loving Boy that you sent to church three times a week and y'all didn't mm-hmm. even go? Which is to just say, <laughs> if we accept two things as truth, which is that God doesn't make mistakes. That's right. And I was formed in my mother's womb before I ever knew me. That's right. There's no mistake in this. Yes. Mm. There's literally no mistake in that. Yes. And if we mm. move from that to an appreciation of what Fannie Lou Hamer tried to teach us, mm. which is that none of us are free unless and until all of us are free, it to me requires us to ask some of these questions, mm-hmm. which is how can we be in better community? Mm-hmm. And in yes. particular, how do we do a better mm. job of calling each other in mm-hmm. with love sometimes? And mm-hmm. if that don't work right. with animus to say that which you were holding up as a barrier I've never received to that. our freedom, he is not. <laughs> But that which you're holding up to a bear as a barrier to our freedom 
is the thing that prevents all of us from being free. That's right. And you don't need to then have, if we acknowledge that that's the way you show up and you say, I don't care about all black folks, I just care about those who look like our firm me, then simply move out of the way. Mm -hmm. Get out of the arena. You don't then get to um, uphold or occupy yeah. spaces of leadership yeah. or be able to speak on behalf of black people or yeah. benefit from the support of black people. And you can't yeah. because you don't Ugh. love and you don't respect all black people. Period. Right. And I just want us to have more of those conversations. We can start with Kanye. We can go down the list. Mm. Yes. yes. Yeah. We can. Yeah. For sure. You know, Listen. I, I want to add, um, you know, when I was asked, uh, I was asked, you know, just being candid at the, just this week to um, be invited on a panel with uh, Dr. David John, and when Sharif called me about it, I was like, whoa, yeah, like, I 100% will want to be able to do this. And, and part of the reason being is because I got to see you speak 10 years ago. And I... I mean, no, I'm not... I'm grown. <laughs> I'm grown. Grown. Grown, grown right? <laughs> Respectfully, though, right? Like, us as as queer folks, same gender loving uh, uh, individuals, like we don't get the opportunity to see our ancestors as much, right? And so, like mm. when I had the opportunity to see him speak mm. on the panel, like I went home and I cried because this was the first time I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, literally, still remember, still to this day, like you speaking and cutting up, <laughs> um, and I remember, like I was like, okay, like when I start profound gentleman, like, I am going to share my identity. I am going to say I'm a black queer leader, you know, because at first I was scared when I would tell, when I would ask, like, um, other, like, mentors, like, you know, I want to be all of me. I want to be my, I want to show up as my full authentic self. Like, they was like, you don't want to do that. Like, do you know how, like, you're going to be ostracized? Do you know how much, like, people are going to, like, hate you for, like, Leading a, one of the major, you know, male of color organiz- male educator of color organizations, right? Um, and I was like, I'm still going to do it. And it was your continued post about Facts. Nigel Shelby mm-hmm. that pushed me to do it because I said I refuse to see another male of color, like boy of color, be able to like not be able to see the light, not be mm. able to see themselves in these leadership positions. And so I'm going to force my way through, like even with Forbes. Like under thirty, when I got that, I was like, "Yo, Word. like I Say am, <laughs> I am no, no, a black no, no, no. queer male." Say that. <laughs> Forbes under thirty. Yeah, okay. Yes, I am. A, I was <laughs> like, clear. when I did my interview, mm-hmm. I like share. I was like, "I'm a black queer male." Like this is how I show up because I wanted to receive it as me, as mm-hmm. my authentic mm-hmm. self. And you were the reason why I did that. You were the reason why I showed up as my full authentic self you know and so like when i hear about proximity like when i hear about hear your question in 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 reference to relationship and proximity i don't have david's number but i would see him on instagram i was anytime he did a panel i would go to it (laughs) if i was close to the city i would go see it right and so every time i saw him say hey how you doing he remembered me every single time thank you or it could i don't know if you do but (laughs) he could be like sometimes when i see people i'd be like hey you (laughs) i don't know (laughs) um but um it's 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 been an amazing like proximity to someone who can influence you. Sometimes you don't have to have their number. Sometimes you don't Especially have to call them respond up. respond faster on Instagram than we do a text And you message. respond fast on Instagram, though. You really do. And so that's why I answer every last one of my Instagram yeah. DMs. I, I, I respond to every last one of them because 
of what I seen from you. So be able, so mm-hmm. being able to be like, yeah. on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like and to listen to you speak and to bring that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I got teared out over here. I feel like okay, hold on, like I can't get too <laughs> much over here now because I my voice starts shaking and everything. But it is uh, a full turn. Uh, it's a full circle moment. I experienced so much. Um, homophobia um, leading an organization my co-founder left um, because he was a black straight male and I had to check my own self because I felt like that I was in, living in his shadow right mm-hmm. at the time um, and I felt like I was being protected mm-hmm. by his shadow because he was a black straight male mm-hmm. and just, just to even be candid I asked the board when they replaced him for another black straight male right because I didn't have the confidence within my own self to believe mm-hmm. that I could be able to lead a mm-hmm. organization as a black queer leader, mm-hmm. you know, and so the 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 hate that I receive, the mm. messages that I receive in that last year that I was in the organization was so strong. I was in a psych war, like all of these different things, but I was reminded that of my purpose. Um, I look at all of us with our different hairstyles. That's that's cool to be right, you boy. <laughs> Y'all can't see it, but Robert has no hair. He's rubbing right. his head right now. No hair. Don't even grow. Meanwhile, Mario got these luxurious. Luxurious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. it's cool because, like, even I always think about that. Whenever I get nervous about showing up um, as my full self, I look at people's hair. And when I look at folks' hair, it reminds me that we all come so differently. All of our hairstyles nowadays are just so different. That's what I love about our our, mm-hmm. our culture, our black male culture. It used to be you had to be clean shaven back in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And now we all show up so different and that allows me to be able to come and be my most authentic self. And I still have so much work to do. There mm-hmm. has been so many doubts that I received, but it wasn't until I received that coach. I had to have a coach that helped me to really see myself. And I said, I need I need this for other people. Mm-hmm. I, and that's why I, I got my coaching certification, got into mindfulness, got that certification, yoga certification. I was like, this is what helped me. This is what brought me out of my own darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. No, thank you thank for you. that gift. But I wait, wait, wait. That. Y'all going to give David his flowers, honey. Thank but you. But the thing is, is that that's yeah. important to hear is there are moments where we can talk about this intergenerationally, mm-hmm. but but even within a generation, there's mm-hmm. the the inability to name our own homophobia yeah. and say queer. Yeah. And someone said to me, and I didn't tell you this story. Someone said to me, oh, um, I heard you talking about MBJC and that Micron funded it and that you wanted to ensure that members of the LGBTQ community could do the internship at MBJC. Well, how's that going to play at Micron? Mm. And I said, well, hmm. I don't understand. Oh, like, that's what, a confusing question. Like, mm-hmm. What do you want? Welcome to my world. And, and I was sitting there just question. like. Because <laughs> I'm not understanding. And at that moment, I realized mm-hmm. that the, the privilege and power that is associated with my role Mm-hmm. is also associated with the way I show up as a heterosexual yeah. man mm-hmm. who supports mm-hmm. queer and trans folks mm-hmm. through word, action, and deed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the fact that I mm-hmm. said to these folks, like, mm-hmm. so, well, we, David and I actually have known each other for a minute. Mm-hmm. And, like, we actually are going to do a bigger grant to NBJC. Wow. And we're just trying to figure out what that looks like. I love it. So... I don't 
I don't yeah. know no, what to tell you. Like yeah. what was what's and, what but the saying? point of the matter is yes. is that even within the context of the generation, yes. right? Like between if you think of it as a 10 year span, mm-hmm. there's work that we have to do within that space to not be hating on each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. To not look at other folks and say, well, mm, he think he all that. Mm-hmm. And do. Right. <laughs> so, and for me, you know, and again, like yeah. when, when I, when I hear it about Sharif mm-hmm. and David and other folks in like my generation who are big on social media that I actually can text and get it like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm always just sitting there listening to, to other brothers. Like I'm proud of them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when they enter the room, I go with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I know that when they go into the room, I can go too. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I go into a room, they come in with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's this intergenerational conversation that has to happen, but it also is important for us mm-hmm. in like that 40 to 50, 50 to 60 kind of world to hold each other accountable mm-hmm. for when we bring our own foolishness, yes. jealousy. To, that's right, right? Mm-hmm. We we essentially mm-hmm. animate white supremacy when we do that. Because I always would say to folks, because someone said to me one time, um, well, uh, I don't know what's so special about uh, what, what, the, what they're doing in Philly because this isn't a new conversation. And I said, well, have Whoever you Whoever you are, you a hater. Go ahead. Okay. Well, that, that too. But I said to them, like, and what have you done for us lately? Okay. Hugh Janet, Ms. Jackson, if you're nasty. All right. And I'm sitting there listening to these cats like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. The basis of it was capitalism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And I got to the root of it was, well, how come Micron didn't sponsor me? Me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So this beautiful You could have just started with that. Okay. <laughs> right. and, and I'm Keep just like, book, well, please. wait a minute. Like, mm-hmm. what, what are y'all doing? Like, what? White supremacy. Th- yes. this, and so I, yeah. I just think that there's need for this type of conversation yeah. for us to engage in this way on a consistent basis and mm-hmm. actually have this conversation for us to make ourselves yeah. available um, to respond on... Twitter respond on no text not Twitter message. we black Twitter's off Twitter yeah we dumb Twitter we we, no, we, we bury black Twitter yesterday yeah because oh, really? yeah. it's that's we're not making Elon yeah Twitter's back in the day now yeah yeah we're gonna find like MySpace we're gonna find another space we're gonna find another space we're trying to get Issa rated to to create the thing that Lawrence was talking about on Insecure yes yes come on come on Lawrence I learned something new from some some cats because I I thought I thought I was supposed to be on Twitter you you find it out today. But I think the beauty of this is the mm-hmm. fact that that is actually happening. Yeah. Right? Oh, I, I agree. That's something that we need to be more intentional about. And I think there is an opportunity to leverage power and privilege mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, what so. I want to say though, based on, on what you're saying and based on like my observation just being in the room, right? I'm the only like lady here, mm-hmm. but watching. Say who? No, let me stop. <laughs> Don't start with me, all right? <laughs> 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 I'm just playing. No, I love it. 
but I'm going to hit on what you just said, the authenticity, authenticity of how you can just be you. I think mm-hmm. you're a type, you're going to be you regardless, mm-hmm. right? But a couple of things. And mm-hmm. what's interesting, yes, and I now get celebrated for it. As you yeah. should, but the you very same thing yep. that I got persecuted for mm-hmm. bef- when it wasn't tolerable. Mm-hmm. Yes. When it got me kicked out of classrooms or assigned to a desk by myself mm-hmm. or penalized from doing the things that my white classmates got to do. Yes. So I, 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 I want to overstate the ways in which we as a community sometimes celebrate mm-hmm. the very same things that we try to push out of our babies. I think one of y'all kids. referenced Bell Hooks earlier, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and she talks a lot about this in, in teaching critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to do a better job of that. Um, also, just want to say again, thank you. I love you for that. I love you too. Um, I'm sitting with your question, Horace, and think that a part of what I'm asking myself is on, on all ends of the spectrum, how we can hold brothers to be more fearless. Yeah. I heard the I yeah. heard you say it's sometimes difficult to ask mm-hmm. and you're still working through machinations of white supremacy. Yeah. I commit to you that I'm going to spend some time after this discussion wraps thinking about that question and how I can show up um more um in that space. I think I live very transparently. We have another conversation about that's affected my dating life. Um <laughs> and I want to challenge folks. I, I think there's another y'all laugh, but I'm serious. Yeah. Um I had a whole oh, yeah. series called Dating with David. Part yeah. because there's no data behind this and people don't see black queer men date or mm-hmm. vote. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to challenge all of us and offer a resource, which is that um, next year at some point, 2023, Netflix should release a film about Brother Byron Rustin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I say this to say that um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that our ancestors conspire so that I could live um, and be disruptive. Uh, but this didn't start, and I hope it. I know it won't because I'm sitting mm-hmm. a, across from um, you, Mario, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't end with me. Um, but if brothers who are not queer mm-hmm. educated themselves about Brother Rustin, yes. and appreciated yeah. his role as the architect, not yeah. only of the modern march on Washington, yeah. the, but, on. but the the person yeah. talk about a bridge builder, the person come that on. introduced yeah. pacifism, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. things that he learned about globally mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. movements yes. to so many of our watershed civil rights leaders. If our brothers so good. who want to show up as active accomplices did the work of increasing their competence around mm-hmm. Brother Rustin, mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe that it would improve their ability to then demonstrate compassion to brothers who don't show up affirming the expectations mm, right. they have for how we perform maleness. But this ties mm-hmm. into exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying about the words community mm-hmm. and giving us that push in the very beginning of this conversation. So for me, just observing and what I have witnessed and based on what you're saying, before we even get to intergenerational, we do need to talk about community. And we need to talk about community because we need to own respect and accept everybody that's in our community mm-hmm. for who they are, for what mm-hmm. they do, for what they contribute. Because other than that, how can we even have a conversation about intergenerational if you're an older person, you can't talk to a younger person in the community because you're not accepting of who they are in their fullness. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I've got to witness, especially with um, Dr. Simmons, before the mics even cut on, is the way that he treats you. So mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. and, and again, you shouldn't be treated as anything other than David, mm-hmm. but we know that in this space, that's not always the case. But his support of you and your antics and who you are, like he loves Love it, it, right? Right? Like, I'm but. Here for it. Yes. The thing about that that I will have to say is for you, Dr. Simmons, my observation of you as a heterosexual male, it is not many times that I get to see the way you pour love into David mm-hmm. today, right? You That's don't get true. to see that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. David is your yeah. brother. That's clear mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. all of us sitting here. Mm-hmm. But for me, the work 
and intentionality that you had to do mm-hmm. to check your biases or check That's the right. way that things were done to just treat David or any other homosexual male as who they are and that is human. Mm-hmm. No other. So mm-hmm. I would love to like just lift that up in this space as we do talk about intergenerational leadership and community, as David said, do the self-reflection and do the work on yourself first mm-hmm. and get in touch with your own biases and mm-hmm. your own blocks. Yeah, yeah. Because right. if you don't, That's we're right. not going to be able to build community. And it takes practice like and this. it takes a willingness. And for me, um, you know, I remember vividly um, my mother at a very young age uh, talking about there was a Father Trippensy uh, and the Episcopal Church was an out gay priest in Detroit, and he was active in uh, the movement and like both uh, from a racialized perspective. Um, and and it it was interesting because my mother would always talk about how much he loved me mm. and how he poured into me, like he would pick me up from baseball games when she was not available and just my relationship with him. And I always say to folks, my evolution of loving uh, all brothers started as a child. So, but there are friends of mine who didn't have that evolution Mm -hmm. and I'm not friends with them anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there are folks that I just am like, nah, man, like you, like it's, it's something off here. Like you, won't deal with your own misogyny. Uh, that's one part. Then you won't deal with the ways in which you talk about mm-hmm. queer and trans folks mm-hmm. to the point where I'm just like, well, this mm-hmm. this is not Love good. Right. Right. Yeah, like right. you mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. send me a text, but you can't call me. Right. Yes. Right. But again, that There's challenge that you that's happening. But pushing mm-hmm. folks out the <laughs> space. Who yeah. can't get with the program. And I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. And I yes. think it's a very real thing. And um, uh, I want to offer another resource. So MBJC has um, on our website, mbjc.org, a couple of toolkits under the banner Words Matter, in part because it literally is language that sometimes forestalls conversations like this from happening. Mm-hmm. So I want to offer a, a term for consideration. I heard you use the term. I'm trying to a homosexual, mm-hmm. which for me is like nails on a chalkboard. Mm. Uh, one, Teach me. it yes. like gay is a white male political identifier. When people think of homosexuals, they tend to think of white folks, mm-hmm. right? It, it's a way to erase us who have intersexual mm-hmm. identities. Two, mm-hmm. it includes the word sex, which makes people think about deviancy yes. or positions who's pitching or catching. It might mm-hmm. even make them think about HIV, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, which is a complicating factor, not only because the CDC said some 10 years ago that every mm-hmm. one in two of us black same gender loving men or trans men who they call wow. men who have sex with men as a grouping, which is problematic because not all trans men are men who have sex with men. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point here is that the CDC said one in every two of us would continue to die mm-hmm. if things persisted. But that masks mm-hmm. that black cisgendered heterosexual mm-hmm. women continue to die more than any other mm-hmm. community yes. of women. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we didn't even talk about it. Wow. Um, so I use the term same gender loving. Okay. which was created by a black man named Cleo Monago, who runs the Black Men's Exchange out of Baltimore. It centers and makes clear for everyone mm. that I know I'm a black man. Mm. And I also know, as Sambufu mm. Somme said in chapter 13 of her book, The Spirit of Intimacy, the words lesbian and gay didn't exist in the village of West Africa. My people are from Cameroon and my matrilineal lineage, but the word gatekeeper did. So sometimes we as black folks feel like we're at a loss because of the lack of language, but our, our indigenous brothers and sisters literally have words to refer to it. My whole or two-spirited people 
Many of us are gatekeepers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want us to continue to find terms that feel better rolling off our African tongues mm-hmm. because they make so it good. easier for us to have intra-communal conversations. Yeah. And David, that. when you think about mm-hmm. that, what what is the best pathway to educate uh, folks? Like when you think about um, uh, the, the terminology around queer and same gender love and like how do you... And I've heard you talk about this, obviously, over the years, right? So it's not a foreign construct um, that you've educated me on and so many others. How how would you call other folks to the table to help educate? Is it like, what does that look like? Oh, yeah, I got it. Which is that if you don't have any queer friends and you're not the queer friend, then shame on you. Mm -hmm. So much of what we've talked about, even to go back to how we came into the profession, you use experience a couple of times, but but it made me really think about exposure. Mm. Yeah. Right? Like kids who are exposed to different climates. Mm -hmm. Um, My ability from Inglewood, California to have visited spaces where there was snow helped me to answer the question on the SAT about the tundra, right? Like Mm. my ability Mm. to know that people exist (laughs) who are neurodivergent, right? Disabilities don't just look a certain way, right? right? Or um, not all black people um, come from English speaking families are native to this country. Finding ways to ensure that our babies, Mm. and that's not age, age withstanding, are exposed to the diversity that makes our country and this world great is the answer. Yeah. If 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 your baby's got queer friends, then it's not going to be weird. That's right. That, not, that people so are right. queer. Right. The, the other thing I'll say is this: the older I get, <clears throat> the more I appreciate that I know black people who engage in queer, intimate, romantic, <laughs> physical, spiritual relationships with other queer people, and will never identify as such. Mm-hmm. will never identify as such some of this is really a, and this is why I go back to like social social political realities and constructs yeah. some of this is really about like how we as a, a community have pushed policies That's right. whether we're talking about the Civil Rights Act of 64, 65 whether we're talking about the Equality Act now some of this is about ensuring that the systems and structures are aligned with the ways that we show up in mm. community mm-hmm. but there's a part of of this that to me is also about us being more honest Mm -hmm. about the ways that we show up in community Mm -hmm. and the ways that people's experiences can sometimes be erased or made invisible or other are are further trivialized as a result of these terms that have been given to us by white supremacists. Yes. That makes sense. It's so much. And same gender loving will now be rolling off my tongue. Oh, Um, guaranteed. Also, you talked about queer. I want to be clear. um, These are not monolithic terms. Correct. I have moved in and out of them as I found comfort or they've been introduced to me. Yes. I know some elders who... I'm a, I'm a homosexual. Mm-hmm. That that is mm-hmm. their term. That's so their term. some of this is also mm-hmm. about appreciating uh, that there's fluency and in this. Is why you have young people. folks now creating yes. terms. Yes. It's not he, she. It's they, them, there. It's yes. he, them, here. Right. Like mm-hmm. so, some of this is about um, engaging with people to ask That's right. how they show up in the world, right. how they identify, what makes them comfortable. I tell educators now, especially when thinking about the laws that make it more difficult to do this, we should be asking young people every day. Mm-hmm. Right, like so. Yesterday, I understood you came in, and it was Mike, and you were feeling. Is how you want me to refer to you today? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to refer yes. to you in front of your peers? You. How do you yes. want me to refer to you in front of your parents? Mm-hmm. Yes, because mm-hmm. we show up differently in mm-hmm. different communities, and should protect our babies mm-hmm. as they figure out how to navigate them 
navigate between them as well. So David, Beautiful. we're definitely going to have you on. Josh, we're going to write this LGBTQ month because um, mm-hmm. we need to be educated. So um, I'll do it, but not in June. Okay, so we in the we same can, way so in the same way that that, that, that white folks tell us let's wait until McDonald's says it's now Black History Month to have black conversations. I don't take invitations to have black conversations in June. June. We can any do other it. time. Let's figure it out. We can do it whenever, yes. um, and I mean that like so much outside of. Pride but if you, I'm about to say, but if you watch the podcast, like you know why I'm asking that. Um, what I see, like we have a series um, that comes out. I believe it, and a lot so, of it is because June introduces pride pimping. It's the not, it's the point of time to... in which <laughs> I know you're not, but let's just but we're we're having honest talk, right? It, you are. know it's June, even if you're not looking at a calendar because everybody got what rainbows and confetti outside. Yes, and it's two things. And I'm not that kind of gay, and, and we need to have these conversations outside of those designated calendar moments. We do. And I guess for us oh, too, man, that is also the time where people we, we you fight between two things, right? Because I don't like black pimping either. So you'll yeah. always hear on my show like Black History Month for me is not a month. It's right. three hundred sixty-five days. Period. Yeah, this is how I live my and life. Right. It's the shortest month, but, that's but a, that's okay. it's yeah. the best month. Also, there are times where right. the ears are up, the ears are perked, and the audience are there, and people who need to hear the message yeah. are on brand because that's just what it is in terms of marketing. So we won't figure out a way to have you on multiple times, um, okay. all of y'all. Let's do it. But we are rapping, of course. Yes. Let me say this, y'all. This has been one of the most bomb, healthiest. <laughs> bomb. Yo, I mean, when I tell you healthiest, just like profound dialogues and conversations that I've ever been a part of, especially on this podcast. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Like this has been amazing I've, I've, i have so many I thoughts like mm-hmm. after this conversation and it was so healthy i feel like and very nurturing um for for the spirit and the soul so i just want to thank y'all before we wrap i'm going to give everybody a chance because i know we are at the conference mm-hmm. what would you like to say to people who are out there listening what do you like to say to the brothers out there who are going to listen to this episode what should they be doing once they leave here so i want each of you as short as possible, just to wrap with giving the mm-hmm. folks who are at this conference a charge to take back to their districts. And we're going to close out. Mm. I guess I'll start with if you wasn't here and you should buy your ticket next year. That's it. You know, because uh, it's not a sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it right there. Um, like, the I, I, this, this, is, this is always a revitalizing moment. This is the yeah. first one in person at this scale in what, like three mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always good to be back. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're, whenever you do go back home to wherever you, wherever you do call home, um, just keep up the good work, keep up the mm-hmm. fight, because uh, it, it's fighting through COVID, fighting through you know that isolation, fighting through that period of struggle, and for us, it's, it's every single day. Um, but just keep keep up that work, because um, mm-hmm. like I've said in the beginning, education is is not hard work; it's heart's work, mm-hmm. um, and you have to really. But making sure that you you are not only taking care of yourself, but taking care of the 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 babies that you yeah. are yeah. taking care of, and so, so good. making sure you are staying, keeping the fight real until the next next convening, hopefully next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. to me. So I did a lot of just sitting, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't speak much because I think the most important thing we can do is listen, right? Mm-hmm. And I've just learned so, so much. much. And and when we think about the convening, mm-hmm. take what you learn, mm-hmm. let it marinate, mm-hmm. but also take care of yourself with it, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we get overstimulated with so much information mm-hmm. that sometimes you start to drown in it. Mm-hmm. So I think as you're at the convening and if you're coming next year, take it in, let it marinate. But also take care of yourself after that. Mm-hmm. Let it. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That. 
That part. Yeah, and double dutch and crip walk and do lots of other things. Um, I heard you earlier say, Tamir, that a part of your uh, entree into the profession was a result of my words, not your self-advocacy. I applaud that uh, not only were you acutely aware of the fact that the system you were compelled to go to by law was not built to ensure that you became healthy, happy, or whole, but you advocated for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my ask for all of the attendees or folks who uh, give us the gift of their time and listening to this conversation is to show up for the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, or Howard Thurman called them the dispossessed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, each of us encounter young people who are gatekeepers or who are otherwise thoughtful enough to tell the truth. Um, and it is often our visceral response to push them out or mm-hmm. silence them or convince ourselves that we've worked really hard for them to have it better than they want to appreciate. Um, and and my, my real hope is that each of us understand um, that while we often have a choice, especially those of us who accept the calling to be educators, our babies don't. Um, and if you don't appreciate um, Asa Hilliard's insistence, mm-hmm. our reminder rather that um, all black children are geniuses, mm-hmm. there's no secret to how mm-hmm. we support them. We first acknowledge them as human and we second support them with love. If you have questions about any part of that statement, you should not have access to our babies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and beyond that, um, it's not enough just to hold that belief. Like, I think we all have to be accountable. And when we see other brothers, our, our, our non-black folks um, mistreating our babies, our practicing educational malpractice, we yeah. should call them out, too, yeah, and help absolutely. them uh, find other professions or ways to spend their mm-hmm. time, talent, and yeah. treasures. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I think for me, I don't actually have a, anything for people here. I want to actually call out philanthropy yes. and corporate America in yes. that um, yeah. it was cute at the height of all the racial justice mm-hmm. protests to mm-hmm. cut a check. Mm-hmm. It was, it was cute. Now the real work mm-hmm. comes, mm-hmm. put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm calling... In, maybe I'm calling out. Both. You can do both. both. I can do both. I'm calling in and out (laughs) folks who tie strings to black led nonprofits Mm -hmm. with for $20 Mm -hmm. and want Mm -hmm. 20 page reports. Mm -hmm. Remember those days. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. saying to my colleagues, both in corporate philanthropy in particular and in corporate America, to do good with the resources, but allow yourself to be guided by those closest to the work. Mm-hmm. And th- there, there needs to be a greater influx of resources so that the community and this type of experience can be multiplied, mm-hmm. not just at the convening, but year round, mm-hmm. right? And and I just think that, you know, in corporate America and corporate philanthropy, folks spend a lot of time. I was in a meeting with someone about naming some animals mm-hmm. at a zoo. And I was like, now why am I here? Because... <laughs> Like, I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pray for you. People be coming to you with some odd stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. 
And and I just I just want to make sure that my colleagues in corporate philanthropy and corporate America make sure that they're in community with those who can help educate them. Mm-hmm. And far too many people in philanthropy think they have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And then they guide the conversations in ways that are unproductive and in fact reproduce educational malpractice and white supremacy mm-hmm. in our own communities. And it forces some nonprofit leaders of color, particularly those that don't have access to capital, to just do it anyway because they need the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling folks out to stop doing that mm-hmm. and like do something different. And if that ain't the way you, you're going to roll, then you shouldn't be in philanthropy, mm-hmm. right? You, you should not have that type of power because there is power working, especially in corporate philanthropy. Yes. Because yes. in yes. corporate philanthropy, you have access to corporate dollars and foundation dollars. Yes. And it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to enter that space as a learner mm-hmm. and willing to listen? So mm-hmm. this is this is my call out and call in for those in philanthropy. Thank you. Yeah. Mine will be like will help me, like again, get a coach. You know, once you like leave a session like this or even like um like you know even listening to a podcast right like I always have my clients like whenever they go to a conference to tell me what they're going to do about it now and have somebody to hold you accountable so if mm. you cannot hire a coach or anything like that who is your friend who is a colleague that can hold you accountable for the things that you say you're going to do post the conference because we I think like sometimes conferences could be like you're hyped up on sugar, right? And it's yeah. like, ooh, I'm yes. going to do this. I'm going to yes. do this. And then you get on that plane. And once that plane lands, you crash for a couple of days. And then you do nothing with the notes. You do nothing with, like, the PowerPoints you took, that you took pictures of. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. it's important to follow up. And I've, I've noticed that I have – it's interesting when I get business cards from people and I say I'm going to follow up. They'd be like, I'm surprised you actually followed up. It's so many people that do not follow up. Yeah, they don't follow up when they receive a business card for someone or say, hey, let's, you know, have a conversation. So I say do the follow-up. can't hire a coach. Have somebody who could hold you accountable for what you said mm-hmm. you're going to do mm-hmm. leaving the conference. Should I go drop the website for folks looking for a coach? Please, yes, mariojavon.com, please. Mm-hmm. I always say uh, <laughs> continue to follow me. Marjavon.com. Yes. <laughs> it's me. And Marjavon.com. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Listen to all our co-conspirators out there. Yes. We really thank you for really listening and coming into the room and support this episode. It has been one of the best um, and, yes. and most exciting for me. So again, this podcast is sponsored by Center for Black Educator Development and Bright Beam. And thank you for coming so to the awesome. place where we talk to real people in the real struggle doing the real work. We'll see you, you again next right. time. <laughs> Peace, everybody.